Hi, everyone, and welcome to On the Horizon RC podcast. I'm your host, Horizon President, Chris Dickerson, and with me, as always, our Marketing Director, Steve Petrato. Steve, how are you doing today? Uh, pretty good, Chris. It's uh, another lovely day in quarantine, but I'm excited to, to continue doing these uh, podcasts, so uh, I, I, let's get to it. Yeah, yeah. Again, we've got plenty of time to uh, be socially distanced and record our podcast. So we've got a lot of really cool stuff to talk about today and a really special guest for Horizon and all the RC community out there. Um, So, Steve, we just recently uh, announced a pretty exciting initiative that I wanted to make sure everybody was aware of. Uh, We know with everything going on with COVID and so many of our communities being in these uh, stay home orders and and having restrictions on where we can go, it's really taking a toll on our local hobby shops. And uh, we know the RC community always takes care of one another and Horizon wanted to do its part. So we've started a support uh, your local hobby shop campaign. And if you go to Horizon Hobbies website and look on the support your local hobby shop, you'll see that we have a couple of items. We've got these really cool t-shirts that your team designed uh, that say, I support my local hobby shop on the front. And then on the back, they have this cool RC for life graphic. Um, You can also get sticker sheets um, for $10. We know how much uh, people in the RC community love stickers, so they can do that. The t-shirts are $25. Um, you can also make just a $10 donation or donations in $10 increments, I should say, on the website as well. Um, we are also doing uh, some exclusive item auctions like some limited edition Arma and Axial uh, products where it's the number one unit, the first unit of those special editions. And you can bid on those items on the website that you'll find out on the on hh.com as well. And I'm really excited to say that all of the net proceeds uh, from everything that we're able to to gather through these initiatives are going to go to our Horizon Certified Partner retailers. And uh, more importantly, it's just a way for all of the RC community to get together to show our local hobby shops how important they are to the RC community. So really excited about this. Check us out on Facebook. Check it out on the Horizon Hobby um, website. And all of this will run through June 1st. I think if I heard you right, Steve, the T-shirt should be in pretty soon. So if you're needing a fresh yep. quarantine T-shirt, uh, go <laughs> ahead and order, right? Yeah, definitely. I actually placed my order uh, this morning through the website, and I was the first bidder on the uh, number one of 2003 mini tees. But I'm pretty sure I've ah. lost that bid by now. <laughs> but uh, looking at the, looks like we got a few bids in already on all these items. But yeah, it's a super cool campaign. I know our hobby shops will appreciate it. You know, they're they're there for all of us. Uh, when we're out and about and need a hobby shop. So now it's time for all of us as a community to be there for them. Uh, So guys, please make sure to check it out. We've shared it on social. We'll continue to put it in all of our communication. Uh, But if you're listening to this podcast, please make sure to check out the horizonhobby.com website. It's a a graphic on the homepage. Scroll down about once and you'll see it. Um, And then you can make your donation or purchase a shirt there. So please check it out. Yeah, it's a really cool um, thing. And I know uh, people are also kind of wondering what's going on with events, Steve. Can you give maybe the anybody who's listening to this a little bit of an update of what's going on with some of our big events? 
Sure. Yeah. You know, obviously we're, we've, we've taken the stance to, you know, not travel, uh, through, through May as a company, uh, just to protect our employees. And I think that made, that made a lot of sense when we made that decision early on. Uh, but as things evolve, you know, we're obviously not able to go to many of the spring events that we wanted to, but many of those events have already canceled. Um, but speaking specifically about our signature events, you know, we have our air meet event, we have RC fest, and now we have two different Axial Fest events this year. Um, Right now, you know, with AirMeet, since it is in Donauwörth, Germany, um, the German government has kind of put a guideline in place uh, just recently about no major events until, uh, no major events through August 31st. So we're looking into what that means specifically for AirMeet, given that that would fall into that August, you know, it's it's mid-August, right? So it would fall into that guideline. Um, but we're looking into exciting things to maybe take the event online, to maybe globalize it a little bit more and allow the U.S. audience to uh, take part in AirMeet, even if we can't have a full-blown AirMeet. We're going to do our best to have some sort of AirMeet this year, guys. So uh, stay tuned. More updates on that. When it comes to uh, RC Fest and Axial Fest, we're holding strong on the dates right now, uh, but we do know, you know, as, as things evolve, it, it, that may, may need to change. So we've put a, uh, a deadline in place. Chris and I put a deadline in place of May 1st. We will make a decision whether or not we need to push those events. So in the meantime, uh, the events team is looking at alternative dates. So uh, while we don't want to push the event out, we do want to do what's best for you guys and, and of course, for our employees as well. But ultimately, we can't we can't push against any kind of government stay-at-home place, uh, stay-at-home orders. So we will let you guys know May 1st. So in about 15 days from the recording of this podcast, uh, we will have a a true update on whether or not those events will be postponed. Uh, but our goal ultimately is to have these events this year. We don't want to cancel them, but we'll do what our, we'll, we'll do what's right ultimately. Yeah. And that's great, Steve. I know we are all really excited and, and certainly the two of us are going to do everything we can down to the wire to try to maintain these two events and, and all of our big summer events. Um, but like you said, safety first, and obviously we don't want to get anyone in trouble with uh, government agencies or anything like that. So um, in the meantime, though, Steve, I have to say the marketing team, our product team, uh, the community at large, I'm so blown away by how much cool stuff is going on online right now in the RC community. I saw um, you guys are doing some uh, Friday night flights with Real Flight. We've got all this cool stuff going on. Um, can you just Tell us a little bit about some of the ways people can stay connected to the RC community while they're maybe uh, looking for something to do at home before they can get back out to the field. Yeah, definitely. You know, we, we felt it was, you know, within the group of the marketing team, the product team in general, we just felt, yeah, we have to do something. We have all this technology out there. Uh, let's, let's get involved in new ways. And, you know, we have a lot of live videos in the past, but now more than ever, we're really out there. So guys, uh, every Friday, uh, I'll be hosting a Real Flight Live, uh, so Real Flight 9 Live. Uh, last Friday, we had Jace Ducia on, and that was a really exciting um, show. We had him teaching us how to do certain tricks and just kind of talking through the different product developers. We had uh, Ali Machinchi, David Payne, Sean Sullivan, Matt Andron, kind of the whole the whole crowd. Even Dustin was on there. So it was, it was really nice to have the whole product team kind of flying with me uh, and Jace. And then this week, I actually just got off the phone with uh, JPM, Juan Pablo Montoya. He will be on Real Flight uh, 9 live this Friday. Friday afternoon. So, so Steve, we're trying real, to push these quick, to. Uh, sorry to interrupt you, but yeah. so for people who maybe don't no. know, so Juan Pablo Montoya, you're talking about the uh, two time Indy car champion, NASCAR racer, right. F1 driver. Uh, he's also a pilot too. 
Yeah, he's quite the pilot. He's a big jet guy for sure. Yeah. And uh, we need to get him on the podcast sooner than later, I think. But uh, he's, yeah, he, he's agreed. Uh, he just uh, confirmed he got everything signed up. You know, he's been doing a lot of e-racing. So he was yeah. actually, I, I was I was thinking I was going to have to help him install it. But he's like, no, man, I've been I've been doing e-races and all kind of stuff. So I'll, I'm, I'm hip with the video games online. <laughs> well, did, did I catch it right that in uh, his race recently, he actually had the Horizon colors and uh, we were the main yeah. sponsor for his iRacing car, right? So that's pretty cool. Yep, Keeping definitely. the hobby alive out there in the digital world. Yeah, for sure. So we'll have him on and then we're going to keep doing that as long as we can, as long as it makes sense. Uh, I think it, we had a huge audience last time. On top of that, uh, the the Axial team, the E-Flight team, T- Team TLR, the Arma guys, and even the Atherin Train group are all doing weekly live videos on their Facebook pages. So if you're a train fan, a car fan, an airplane fan, uh, we've got something for you. And this is a chance for you guys out there to really connect with us in a way that you know, you don't get to talk to the developers that much. You don't get to talk to the marketing teams that much. So you can really ask questions. We'll take we'll take live, you know, questions. Um, just talk to us. It's all about reaching out and being a part of the community. So now you have a weekly chance to communicate with us. Uh, sometimes I think our eFlight one is now a, a stationary time on Fridays. I know the Axial one tends to to shift around just because we're in two different places. So uh, we're trying to lock in all the times. But guys, you can get a hold of all of us uh, weekly, uh, whether or not you're a car fan or an airplane guy or even a train guy. So that's pretty exciting. <laughs> yeah, and we've got some great uh, guests that are on some of these events too. I mean, like I said, our, some of our own Horizon folks, and it's really cool to get to talk to some of the people who actually developed the product or designed the product. Um, um, I know uh, just recently Axial had uh, Ryan and Adam Anderson, the drivers for the Grave Digger yeah. truck, huge RC yeah. fans. Those guys are both great. We had Adam on the podcast, uh, one of our first editions. And yeah. um, I'm trying to think too. Oh, TLR had Todd Hodge and Gil Losey Jr. together a week or so ago. Oh, yeah. I mean, talk about just people, you know, to to hear their story. Um, so there is plenty going on, uh, I think, right now with staying engaged and part of the community. I also, Steve, I see we're doing a lot of stuff to engage the community as well. I see you using the uh, RC from home uh, hashtag on a lot of the Horizon social media, getting people to send in their pictures and videos and such. Definitely. Um, what's the coolest thing you've seen out there with somebody submitting the uh, RC from home? <laughs> There's some pretty, pretty well, amazing stuff, huh? Yeah, I saw one uh, just recently. It was on the ProBoat page, actually. Uh, someone had had built a full Geico semi, Tamiya semi truck with a tra- trailering our Miss Geico uh, Zalos <laughs> boat. Uh, it was just, it looked like the real rig. It oh, was really cool. Insane. So looks like they had just finished that project and, and used that hashtag. Um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of cool stuff out there. And I think, you know, people have a little extra time, even though they're working from home, uh, a little extra time right now to take, just to finish that last minute project or finish that project you've been waiting to get to for so long. And we're seeing a lot of those, that use of that hashtag coming in. So guys, if you haven't used the, uh, RC from home hashtag, please do. And that's also going to enter you into a little contest. We're going to either, hopefully you may get featured on the, uh, horizon facebook page and if you do you'll be entered in to win kind of a gift card uh for our for our website so there'll be a few winners on that uh, just another way for us to say thanks for for being part of the community but ultimately it's all about sharing and being a part of this awesome rc community that we're all so proud to be a part of 
Yeah, so a lot of great stuff. A, a way to support your local uh, hobby shop with our fundraising campaign. We've got uh, the hope and dreams still alive for some of our big summer events. Uh, and in the meantime, we're, we're saying, hey, please be online with us as part of the community. Your Friday night real flight flights are so cool. I mean, it is, it's like being at a, a real air show. Um, I have to say, I, I was watching it the other week when you guys were testing and it was just really cool. So thanks for doing that. Um, I'm going to steal your line. It wouldn't be a horizon uh, on the horizon podcast if we didn't take about talk about product though. So uh, I got to jump in and talk a little bit about a new axial release that we, we uh, announced here recently. Um, it's an update of the axial RR10 bomber. Uh, it's one of our most popular vehicles. It's it's a model modeled after a full scale version, and we've got an update to it right now, Steve. That's really cool. Some nice touches just to to update it. We've got two new trim schemes, which which look really cool. Uh, we've added some LED headlights and a light bar up front. Um, it also comes with the new Spectrum DX3 radio, which is uh, brand new. This is one of the first RTRs I think to come with the. Uh, the DX3, and it also comes with the SR315 Spectrum receiver. So if you haven't checked out the DX3 radio, Steve, I know you're well aware of it, but uh, that is a great oh, RTR yeah. uh, radio, and the team did a really cool job of integrating it with some of the, the uh, Spectrum smart technology. So really good stuff there. And then um, this thing is also 2 and 3S capable with its uh, Dynamite included ESC and the 35-turn uh, motor that it comes with. So Great updates for a really well-known, uh, trusted uh, axial rig. So check that out. It's four forty-nine, and uh, should be available uh, at hh.com or at your local hobby shop. Definitely, yeah. That's uh, also probably one of the most heavily used uh, rigs in the axials five k race, right? Yeah. I think that's what most guys run. It is. I, I don't need it. <laughs> axial the axial yeah. fest race. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't need anything that'll go that fast uh, to do a five k. Um, but, but you're right, that is a crowd favorite uh, if you're doing the uh, the the endurance five k at Axial Fest this summer. So, yep, good good time to update to the updated bomber. for sure. Yeah, cool. And on the air side, uh, we've got uh, not a whole lot of announcements. I do want to point out. Uh, that we've actually comboed up some engines for the FX Cub. So on the big Hangar 9 FX Cub, we have uh, engine combos. You can save a little bit of money. So if you and those, by the way, started shipping. So we you'll be able to buy a DLE 170, the DLE 222, or even the DLE 130 if you're not looking for a ton of power. Uh, and you can save, I think, up to about 300 bucks when you combo that with the airplane. So we know that that's a big investment of that airplane being as, as big as it is. But if you want to save a little money and you need, a, you need an engine, that now is the time to do it. Uh, we also have recently uh, started shipping the Cessna Citation Longitude, the UMX Cessna Citation uh, private jet, which is super cool. Yeah, very and, cool. Uh, yeah, and the uh, and the Spectrum guys have finished uploading all of the Spectrum 637T setup video series. And normally I don't shout out uh, videos when it comes to product announcements, but I got guys, if you haven't uh, checked out the 637T, it's really the newest, latest, and greatest when it comes to AS3X and Safe, and it's all forward programmable from your radio, so it's super easy to use. We had uh, John Adams. Uh, you know, on on the video series uh, from his basement and practicing social distancing, but we were able to uh, get all those videos done during this time. And now you can walk through a full setup 
AS3X are safe right from your radio, right from the comfort of your own home. Uh, and it's really nice to have that finally, because we just didn't quite have that with the old 636. So that's exciting enough that I decided to mention it during the product announcements. So yeah, sounds uh, like a that's good, thing to, good thing to check out. And uh, I think we're ready to bring in our guest, Steve. We have a, a very special guest today. He's one of the people who I first really got to know when I got into the RC hobby and started working for Horizon about 18 years ago. So uh, let's go ahead and bring him in. Awesome. All right, Chris, let's do it. Okay, everybody. I am really excited to introduce today's guest as a as a retired Horizonite and someone who continues to make a positive impact in the RC community. Today's guest is none other than Peter Goldsmith. Uh, he's joining our show today. Pete, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for being our first remote guest as we work through social distancing. How have you been? Chris, I've been great, and thank you for the lovely intro. I'm a little, I'm blushing a little bit. Um, you know, <laughs> well, I'm just a regular guy, as you know. Well, so you're you're taking care again. We were kind of chatting a little bit before we got on the air. I was kind of worried that you were down in your basement and didn't realize that the world had even changed at all. So I'm I'm glad you're doing well and that uh, you're you're keeping busy. So. We're going to hear a little bit more about what you've been up to since uh, you left. You've kind of started this Encore career here after Horizon starting uh, Peter Goldsmith Designs. You also uh, recently won Top Gun. And if that weren't enough, you're building your own uh, Factory 5 Cobra build. So we want to hear all about those things. And I'm sure we'll we'll, uh, talk about a lot of other pretty exciting things in your hobby journey as well. But I mean, how do you how do you keep all those projects going? Well, I I think one thing that's that's happened since I've sort of maybe retired and the world has realized that I am seriously ADD. <laughs> um, <laughs> I have an incredibly active mind, and and it kind of needs to be fed. So, uh, what may seem you know just a crazy amount of stuff to a lot of people is kind of just the way. It is for me. I've always been that way. Since I was a young kid, I would have, you know, I I remember at one point I was playing soccer, surfing, playing tennis, playing cricket, playing rugby, flying model airplanes, and bowling, 10-pin bowling, all in the one season. So it's just kind of the way I'm wired. So um, your first question was, you know, this kit building um, business. Initially, it was... The, that wasn't the plan. I, I uh, acquired or actually had a friend build me a laser cutter, and I thought, well, this is going to be a great tool to have. Uh, it's a learning opportunity, and I was just, you know, wanted it for my own use. And so I, I designed a plane. It was called a Schmilak, which is a Czechoslovakian for bumblebee. It's an agricultural aircraft, and uh, as many people know, I like to fly scale sail planes, well, this was a perfect tow plane. Uh, so I designed this plane and, uh, you know, was publicizing through social media the various, um, you know, build stages and so forth. Well, by the time the project was finished, um, I had 10 people that wanted one as well. And I'm like, well, you know, I hadn't considered making them for anybody else. So I did a little research, um, bought more materials, bought wing tubes um and and while all this is going on i'm trying to learn how to use a laser cutter well to to kind of close in on the end of the story uh 
um, now I'm making all these kits. Um, and the, the real motivation for the model kits is not a monetary motivation. Um, in actual fact, <laughs> I was telling my, my lovely wife the other day, you know, if it was about money, I could, you know, flip burgers or whatever, you know, and I'd probably make the same amount of money. But the motivation I get to see people doing something with their hands is just, it's just gives me great joy when I get up and, and I get a lot of emails, um, supporting emails. Please keep doing this. I've got one of your kits. I'm building it with my grandson. I haven't built anything for 20 or 30 years. It's, it's such a great therapy for it. You know, all these kind of, uh, communications I'm getting. So, you know, I, I tell people all the time, Hey, if, if I've got 10 people building something again, um, that, that's great. Now, that's not to be uh, detrimental to the aftermarket. That's that, that, you know, they work hand in hand. It's kind of like, you know, knowing how it's built and flying it, it you, you actually have a deeper understanding of what's involved. So that's kind of how this all came about. And, and now I'm finding myself just really enjoying the design process, uh, the manufacturing process. Uh, everything's uh, US based as best I can. Um, all the materials, the wood, uh, the fittings, the bolts, fiberglass, all the components are pretty much uh, either U.S. manufactured or U.S.-based companies. So that's just something, you know, in a small-scale company like mine that, you know, it's achievable. Um, so uh, that's, the, that's the model kit business. <laughs> Uh, That's great. And you have, you have a great setup. I mean, I think you have like every guy's dream, you know, set up with your laser cutter and, and your build area and everything. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of guys out there who would, would love to have a setup, anything uh, close to what you've got. It, it's really cool. I'll never forget, you know, that night uh, you guys were all over. I think we were celebrating my retirement and, and we did a quick little laser checks and, the look on your face and everybody's the same. It's like, man, I could just watch that laser for hours. It's mesmerizing. <laughs> it is. I, I could, I could probably just stand there and watch it cut. It is, it is. Yeah. Quite mesmerizing. So it's good. Well, I think we're going to, we'll probably talk more about your, your kit building business too, but I do know, um, you know, recently you won top gun and you know, that is really an amazing accomplishment. Maybe just tell us a little bit about that experience too. Um, you know, just what you went through, how the event went, just your, your thoughts on the whole experience. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. You know, you end up in these, these situations, you know, it's, it's, and, um, as many people know, I'm very good friends with, uh, Juan Pablo Montoya. And he told me once, you know, I didn't wake up one day saying, I want to be a famous motor racing driver. You know, it just comes from being incredibly passionate and driven about whatever it is you're doing. So, you know, the victory at Top Gun was the same same kind of situation. I just, all my life I've been fascinated with aviation. So, you know, to build a Top Gun project, you don't start out thinking, I'm going to build this so I can win Top Gun. I mean, that's part of the decision process, but it isn't the entire motivation. Um Quite often, and I think just about all competitors will agree with this, is you're really just building a history lesson of an aircraft. You're, 
you're studying the, who the pilot was, how it was made, what engines, and you're replicating that in a miniature version. Um, many years ago, I got involved in scale. I was invited to come down to Top Gun. I think Horizon it was the first year we sponsored the event. And so I just went down to see, you know, what it was all about. I was, um, I have, I had an aerobatic background. That was, was kind of where my fame was and flew in many tournaments of champions and world championships. So I knew very little about scale. And I kind of, I wasn't sort of anti-scale, but I, I, I guess I had completely the wrong opinion of it. So I went along and I thought, man, these guys are amazing. I mean, these were not models. These were miniature aircraft. So I was incredibly inspired. And if I get inspired by something, I don't let it go until I completely conquer it. So um, over a 10-year period, I just kept making new models, making them better. Um, and one of the things at Top Gun uh, is the judges and all the people involved are just great people. Um, the judges in particular, there's two types of judges. There's static judges and there's flying judges. And after the event's over, they give you feedback. Now, if you put yourself in a teachable posture, you can use that feedback to better yourself the next time and the next time and the next time. So I basically got all that information over all those 10 years and ultimately, you know, we just ran out of things to fix and I was fortunate enough to win. <laughs> well, that, it, that it's amazing. I mean, it, it like you said, you don't maybe necessarily start a project like that with that in mind, but it is great recognition, I'm sure, um, you know, for, for the dedication to it. So, um, you know, congratulations on that. And, you know, it's certainly well-deserved um, in, a, in a great it's moment. Like, in a great I guess career. it's like, you know, you, you uh, sit at Horizon and, and you, you didn't think, I want to make the best, I want to be the best RC company in the world. I mean, that was definitely a goal. Um, however, it's all those little things along the way, doing, making good decisions, making the right decisions, you know, taking care of all the little things. All of a sudden you end up in that place. But it's not, you know, it's not that big thing. It's all those little things. So that's kind of an analogy that maybe you can relate to. Yeah, well, it reminds me, and I'm sure you'll remember this as well, but I remember Rick Stevens used to say, you know, if you do the right things, the results will follow. Exactly. exactly. It certainly seems like, you know, that's that's been a good lesson for Horizon over the years and also kind of played itself out, it sounds like, a lot in your Top Gun experience as well, which is which is just really cool. I mean, that's just such an amazing experience for you. And, and again, such nice uh, recognition, even though that wasn't necessarily what you started out uh, with the goal in mind, but it's still great that you were able to achieve that. So good. Yeah, the the, the whole fame, you know, thing, it, it's kind of, you know, it's hard. Me personally, I never see myself as, as this famous RC celebrity or whatever I'm labeled as. Um, I'm actually quite shy. <laughs> um, and, and I guess it's a funny equation. The more I sort of try to, um, get away from the fame, the more it seemed to chase me. So now I'm kind of more accepting it and think, well, how can I use this for the good? And that's, <laughs> that's, that's kind of what I'm doing now. It's like, okay, well, you know, I have an audience. How, how can I help these people? You know, whether it be teaching them how to weather an aircraft, showing them how to build an aircraft, 
et cetera, et cetera. So I've had to go through that shift a little bit. I mean, we all like to win and we all like people saying we're doing a good job, but you, you get past that, you know, what's the great, what's the line? Um, with great power comes great responsibility. So right, that's, right. that's one of the things I've had to kind of really think carefully about, you know. Well, Pete, you know, before let's, let's jump in a little bit to your, to your background and I'm talking, you know, before your RC career back to Australia, throwing planes off the, off the beach dunes, um, give us a little bit of a deep dive on kind of where, you know, where you started. Obviously, most folks have recognized your accent if they don't know you already. Um, it's definitely from the down under. Um, but give us a little deep dive, everything from you know, building in Australia to becoming a U.S. citizen. Kind of give us a background. So. Sure. Uh, well, I guess most people that listen to this realize, you know, where is this cat from? You know, <laughs> he doesn't sound like me. Well, I am originally from Australia. Um, I'm, I'm a uh, currently, I'm, I'm a U.S. citizen. I uh, have dual citizenship. So if you're figuring why am I in the States, um, that's why. Um, my modeling started, I guess, it, it started when I was about five. And um, my parents would say I would walk around the house. I could barely speak saying I want a balsa flying airplane. You know, I was a five-year-old kid. My dad was a fisherman. My mum was an artist. You know, they had no connection to, um, you know, flying balls or airplanes. So it was kind of like just I was born with these genes. So for my, I want, I want to say it was my sixth birthday, I got this model balls of flying airplane, and my dad and I built it, and it kind of flew. You know, it didn't fly great, but it flew. And you know, from that point, the the magic of flight was was instilled upon me. And then I was off. Um, my first RC aircraft was a sailplane. Um, and I want to say that was like 71, 72. And uh, it was a two-channel um, sailplane. That was a very common entry point, just as a little um, digress. Um, you know, we didn't have fantastic trainers, uh, entry-level models like Horizon Cells now. It was a... a Typically a two-channel, uh, two-meter sailplane, which is what I had. So I learned to fly this glider, and um, you know, even at a young age, I want to say I was ten or eleven or so, I was competing with myself. I'm a very, very competitive person. That comes from my mum and my dad. They're both incredibly competitive and have achieved. You know, my mum came eighth at the world at ten-pin bowling. My dad was in the motor racing. You know, so they're big achievers. So. I would get this glider and I'd throw it off a hill and my, my, my goal was how far can I make this glider go? And so I learned about aerodynamics just through cut and try. I figured, well, if I make the wings bigger, it glides further, et cetera, et cetera. So my first year of flying, I never made a turn because that prevented the glider from going further. So <laughs> um, I met this gentleman uh, his name was Peter Wade, and I, we're still in contact today. And he was kind of like my mentor. He was, I want to say Pete was in his 20s, and I was 14 or 13 or so. I was definitely still at school. And he said, you need to take that glider up a high start. And I'm like, well, what the heck is a high start? 
So it's this big, long kind of rubber band with fishing line on the end of it, and it's kind of like launching a kite. You let this thing go, and it stretches, and the glider goes up like a kite and releases it two, three, four hundred feet, depending on how good the winds are. Well, at four hundred feet, my goodness, you know, the, there's a whole new world at that altitude, and that's kind of launched me into my thermal gliding career. Um, and then I would uh, go in the summertime, I'd go down the slopes, uh, and I lived in Sydney, so the slopes were, um, you know, there's cliffs on the beaches. I'd go surfing in the morning, and then when the sea breeze would come in, I'd take my glider up on top of the hill and fly it all afternoon. Well, in the wintertime, the sea breeze wouldn't blow. It's the same in the U.S. And I'm like, well, I still want to do all my aerobatics. So I put a motor on the front of my glider, and I would do aerobatics just at a normal club field, and that's how I got involved with aerobatics. That's how my aerobatic career started. Um, so that's now you can probably get a bit of an understanding why I have this passion for soaring. Um, yeah. That's because that's how I that's how I started. That was my connection into the RC hobby. So how um, do you get from the beaches there to the U.S.? How does, how does that happen? <laughs> well, you didn't that's come a, to Illinois for the uh, the slope and uh, soaring cliffs. I'm pretty certain of that. Not central Illinois anyway. You know, that's a great story, and I love telling this story. Um, later on, uh, I want to say in, from about 1985 onwards, I was very involved in F3A, which is like the FAI class of RC aerobatics. Um, I was representing Australia. Uh, I was on five world championship teams. Um, I competed in the Oceanic Championships, which is the Oceanic region. Uh, I won that many times. Um, I was just hungry to to continue to grow. Um, I got what's called an invite to the Tournament of Champions. Now, to get an invite to the TOC, you had to be uh, ranked in the top 10 in the world. So just to get an invite was an incredible achievement. Um, so I went to this Tournament of Champions, which was actually held in Las Vegas. It was an event that was every two years. And every two years, I would I would see my friends. That We became very close because there was only 20 people in the world that did this, that competed at this level. So we were like, we're still to this day like family. And, you know, my good friend, Steve Stricker, McConville, um, Mike Klein, Chris Lake, and Bill Cunningham, these are household names in, in the RC community. We all grew up together competing. Well, I went at the 1998 TOC, I was having a conversation with Mike McConville. And I just sold my business. I had a marketing company in Sydney, and I just sold it, and I was basically floating. I was just doing some consulting and so forth. And at the same time, I was offered a job in Washington or Maryland. Um, it was actually my uh, best friend's wife, Pat Strick, uh, Steve's wife. And, you know, that that didn't work out. Uh, it wasn't a good fit. Uh and I was telling this to Mike, and he's like, well, you'd be prepared to work in the States. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, I was just here, just checking out a job. Well, this was in October, and the 20th of December, I get a phone call from this guy, Dan Rodderwig, who I know you know, Chris. Absolutely, yeah. Um, well, Dan calls me and said, hey, I hear you're 
you're uh, interested in working in the States. And I didn't know who this guy was. I said, yeah. He said, well, I, I represent Horizon Hobby and we're interested in, in uh, hiring you. Uh, we have a position for a creative director. Well, that's my educated background, graphic design and marketing. And so it was a good fit. I was an RC guy. I knew a lot about the products. And, you know, my, my skill was, you know, art direction, creative direction. So they wanted me to come and do all the box arts and manage the art department, manage the artists, buy all the printing, all the stuff that I did all my life. Uh, so I'm like, wow, that's crazy. So we had a nice chat, nice interview. It was very casual. And I went and said to Caroline, would you be interested in just entertaining the idea of moving to the States? Well, you know, Australians are gypsies. We're, we're born to see the world. I don't know if it's an insecurity thing because we're so far away or what, but most Australians aren't afraid to travel. So she said, sure, I'd be very interested. So we negotiated um, a salary and uh, I get the offer of employment. It turned up Christmas Eve on my door, which is crazy. So I put it under the tree. I didn't even open it. I didn't know what was in it. And we opened it on Christmas Day, and I thought, yeah, we can make this work. So that was January, that was, sorry, that, that was the, you know, 25th of December. Um, and I was working, my first day at Horizon was May the 10th, uh, 2000. And the rest is history, I guess. <laughs> I, well, yeah, that, that gets me to the States. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, when you when you first started as creative director, things were pretty different at Horizon than they were even when you retired. I mean, what sort of uh, what sort of things were were going on back then to give people an idea of that time in the RC industry? You know, that, that, there's a great saying: the more we change, the more we say the same. The spirit of Horizon, and and anyone that's worked at Horizon or visited Horizon or had a tour there, um, they get what I say when I say the spirit of the company. That has never changed. Um, some may argue with me about that, but if they really honestly um, look inside themselves, they can agree that the spirit of the company hasn't changed. The philosophy, you know, the, the don't settle for good enough, you know, do it as good as you can, take care of the people, all that stuff hasn't changed one bit in my entire time there even to this day my daughter works there she talks about all the great things all the things she sees people doing how hard everyone works how driven everybody is um you know i, I just want everyone to know that horizon is special um and i know i'm biased i know i worked there all my life but i didn't have to and you know there was many opportunities for me to m move on or go to other places and i never did because i loved it so much so what changed um, some of the things I saw, you know, which was fantastic. I saw the growth of the aftermarket, you know, the, the ready to fly or the almost ready to fly. Um, when I started, there was, it was at the very start of doing ready to fly aircraft. Um, and we had the product, Chris might remember, it was, uh, called the Firebird. And it was a terrible little aeroplane, but it, it was a teach-yourself-to-fly aircraft, never been done before. That was revolutionary. Um, and that just launched so many people into the RC community. 
Um, then three or four years later, we came, we saw the micro phase where we did the micro models. And then three or four years after that, we saw 2.4 come along, and that was just revolutionary. Uh, then we saw the quad markets come along. Um, I'm just excited to see what's next after that. But the common theme throughout this was the way people tackle their projects and the way that the management and the workers uh, all took care of themselves. You know, Horizon employs an inverted pyramid. So what that means is the more senior you are in the company, the less important you are. So in other words, the closer you are to the customer, the more value you have to the leadership of the company. Is that correct way to say that, Chris? Yeah, Pete, that's very well said. And the inverted pyramid still is a part of Horizon. And I think it all has to do with taking care of our people and taking care of our customers. I mean, a lot of what you know you described when I think about it is, you know, we just created these experiences for people that, you know, they didn't even know existed, you know, like teach yourself to fly an airplane. You were mentioning with the Firebird um, plane, and that's about when I joined Horizon. Um, you know, that was kind of something people didn't think you could even do. You know, and then like Spectrum, same thing. Well, you, you have to have crystals. Um, that's the way it works, you know. And so I do think kind of the inverted pyramid and just taking care of our customers and taking care of our employees, um, you know, kind of fosters an environment where where people are allowed to um, to solve customer problems and be creative, like like you've mentioned a lot there, Pete. So, yeah. Yeah, it's amazing, you know, to Talking of fame, I never saw Horizon sort of say, "Hey, you know, we, you know, we we might have done a little bit, but in general, we weren't that driven by the fame of all this. It was just, you know, it wouldn't it be great if we could do this, or wouldn't it be great if we could do that, and you know, let the fame fall where it lies. Um, but it was more driven just by incredibly smart people that never thought too hard was a reason not to do something. You know, that was just. Yeah. I'll never forget. I was there when we first flew. Uh, it's actually one of my big TOC models, and we we were testing this 2.4 technology, and it was what's just called a ride along. So it was in the aircraft, but it wasn't being used to fly the aircraft, and it was really just to check the signal reliability. And the gentleman that designed it was explaining to me how it all worked, and I'm like, so. We don't need frequency boards. There was a term back before 2.4 was being shot down. Um, yep. And it was literally like that, where if someone was on your frequency, um, you, you know, the two models couldn't talk to each other and they'd both crash. Um, you know, that, that, that's that gone from our history books now. I mean, that's people don't even know what that means. Um, but it was a right, huge... Right. <laughs> Um, and I remember being a model car race, waiting for an hour to get my channel so I could run my car. You know, again, can you imagine waiting for an hour to to test your, you know, new tire diameters or whatever? Now, I mean, people go berserk. <laughs> but that's how it was, yeah. you know. Yeah, it's it really was revolutionary and and certainly an impor important part of just you know again the the people brought that technology to market you know and just like you said being creative so yeah I don't know Pete I mean if you this is it's great I love to hear your story I mean it's it's I mean one you are just one of these people who you know it's literally been your whole life I mean you started out talking about being five years old and wanting an airplane um, after us talking about you being a Top Gun champion. 
um, and, and literally traveling halfway around the world to follow, you know, your dream and your passion. I mean, if you had to limit it down to a couple RC moments besides maybe Top Gun, what would you, what, what's something that really sticks out in your mind uh, about just something that really has been a great memory for you in RC? Oh my goodness. <laughs> I needed to get a heads up on this. So many answers I have. I'm trying to think of the first thing. <laughs> no, that's the beauty of it, Pete. You got to think on exactly. <laughs> well, makes- the, the first thought that the first experience that came to my mind was, was the, the, this TOC. I mentioned it a few times. Um, and I encourage people to kind of, you know, get on Google and do some research on what the TOC was. It was, it was responsible for, for giant scale models. Um, I don't think anybody would argue with that. It was responsible for the quality of servos that we're currently using in giant scale models. It's responsible for the engines that we currently have in giant scale models. It was the reason, it, it was the Formula One of RC flight. That's the only way I can explain it, more so than any form of RC uh, aircraft. Now, guys, don't shoot me down. I know we all have our special interest groups, but you know, this was this was an event that ginger mail to Pete Goldsmith. You know, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> well, I'm just trying to set the, the table here. Um, and it's not about hey, I got to fly in the TSC. It's more about what that event represented for me as someone that is is driven by technology and making things better than what they are. I never forget the when I walked up to the field and <laughs> My daughter, who uh, you guys um, that are listening, both Steve and Chris work with my daughter. She's now working at Horizon. Uh, she's she's approaching 30 years old. I'm not going to say what her age is because she'll kill me. Um, she was a three-month-old baby in 1992. So do the math. You can figure it out. Um, <laughs> I think you just said how old she is. <laughs> well, I'll tell her I made a mistake. Anyway... <laughs> Um, she was a three-month-old baby. There was no way in the world that we were not going to go to this TOC. So we packed up Blender and all the apparatus that goes with a three-month-old baby. We hopped on an airplane. We took our models, which were big models, and we turned up. And Mr. Bennett uh, is the gentleman that sponsored this event. Bill Bennett is a famous guy. He owned, he's passed away now, but he owned, I'm going to say a quarter of Las Vegas. He owned a lot of... um, um, casinos. He, he's friends with Frank Sinatra. He's just an incredible human being. Um, he, we get to the TOC and we, we just, you know, we're like awestruck with all these people. And I, um, I met Steve Stricker and Steve Stricker to this day is my best friend. And we've had so many great memories together, but he was blown away that I would go to all this trouble to come to this event and appreciated um, how much, you know, I was putting in because he knows what's involved. He's won that event. And he he introduced me to Bill Bennett. And Bill said to me, look, why don't you, uh, your wife and your child, go and hang out in my motorhome. It's just a place you can go. It's safe. Um, you can You can feed the baby or whatever. And I'm, this event was huge. I mean, it was 20,000, 30,000 people would come to watch. And there was just clutter and, you know, Caroline had to take care of Belinda, blah, blah, blah. And Mr. Bennett let us go and hang out in his motorhome. 
I mean, this guy is as famous as Frank Sinatra in Vegas. I mean, he knew everybody. And he didn't know me from, from anybody. And he, he offered that incredible um, act of generosity. It doesn't sound like a big deal, but put yourself, you're in a different country, you, you're freaked out, you've got all these famous pilots around you. And, uh, you know, that was just a, a life memory that I'll never forget. Um, there's lots of, oh, I won this and I had a great flight there and I, you know, whatever. But that was a personal memory that really stuck. Yeah, that's, uh, that, that's great, Pete, because I think one of the things that, you know, Steve and I had in mind when we started this podcast was to sit down with people like you and to hear it, it's the people, right? It's your favorite moment was about a person, you know, helping you out at a, a time in your life, you know, when, you know, new parents, you're kind of, you're kind of doting over that first child and taking them halfway around the world to Las Vegas. Um, it's pretty intimidating. So it's, it doesn't surprise me, and knowing you as well as I do, it doesn't surprise me that one of your most memorable moments is about a, is about people, not about an airplane or, you know, an accolade. So well, there's there's one other. Those, right? If I could share one other story, and this this okay. this is a this is actually how I met my wife. Um, <laughs> and Steve, you may have heard this story. I'm not sure. I think I have. Yeah, <laughs> the black bikini. <laughs> yeah. Well, tell us now. Well, it's 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 uh, <laughs> you know it's it's probably it's safe. It's general public can listen. <laughs> um, so my mother and father-in-law uh, were very active in the RC community, and um, they're still alive. And Caroline's father is a very um, famous RC modeler in his own right. He's he's achieved incredible. Um, things in the in the scale aviation community, uh, very well known in Australia, and he was a member of the club that I was a member of, and I was very good friends with Caroline's mum and dad, and I didn't know they had a daughter. Well, Caroline's mum was a bit of a looker. Um, she's still attractive, but you know, when you're 17 and you know, 30 year old lady or whatever, however old she was, she was quite attractive, and I think, man, she's a pretty lady. Um, and uh, I'm telling you that for a reason, by the way. <laughs> um, well, I became friends with Caroline's brother as well. And I was teaching him to fly. And I was actually teaching him how to surf as well. And one day, we, the club used to do these activities outside of the RC community, like social activities. And we'd go to, you know, night outs and we'd play tennis and all kinds of things other than RC flying. So, and it was a great idea because it got the family involved. It got the mothers and the wives and the, the brothers and people that weren't perhaps doing the hobby, you know, involved in the group. It was a great thing. So one of these days we were playing tennis. Well, as you refer back to earlier on, I was saying all these things I was doing. Well, I played tennis as well. <laughs> and, um. Well, after tennis, we were going to go bowling in a bowling alley near where Caroline's brother lived. Instead of driving all the way back home, I said, well, why don't I just go to your place and change, and then we can go to the bowling alley. And he said, well, that's a great idea. So I drive, I don't know, 20 minutes to Caroline's brother's house, whose name's Chris, and I want to say I was 18, 
maybe, no, I was definitely 18, maybe 17 or 18. And we drove up the driveway and um, they lived in this beautiful house. Caroline's father was a Qantas pilot and they lived in this beautiful house, kind of on the fringe of the country on a big five-acre block. And I'm like, man, what a beautiful house. It was quite large and I went in through the back door and there was kind of like this shed, uh, building shed where Caroline's dad, I assume, was building his planes. I didn't go in there, but I heard a, a Dremel saw running. Well, a Dremel saw has a distinctive sound. It's like wah, 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 wah. It's right. every modeler that has owned a Dremel knows that sound. And I'm like, oh, that's a Dremel saw running. So being the inquisitive type, I went to investigate, you know, who was making what in this shed, in this Dremel saw. Well, <laughs> in the shed was this very beautiful young girl, 17 years old, cutting out what seemed to be wing ribs on this Dremel saw. And I was just like enamored, head over heels, madly in love. She was standing there in this black bikini, cutting out wing ribs. <laughs> She had, and this was my wife now to this day, Caroline. She was cutting out wing ribs for her dad, and he'd give her fifty cents for the balsa ones, and a dollar for the ply ones. Um, just a little sub note: if you ever wondered how I ended up, you know, being able to retire, it's because my wife is very frugal and always took care of things. She's incredible at saving money and making sure I don't spend too much. She's just one of those types of people. Well, she had a horse, and she used these wing ribs to help, you know, feed the horse, basically. So that's how I met my wife. Well, that's an important story. And uh, yeah, <laughs> that ties back to your, your RIC career. So literally, I mean, this is at about every junction possible. I think RIC has played played a pretty important role in your life. So absolutely, is, uh, absolutely. That, I had never heard that story before. So that was that was cool to hear. Um, you know, I was so, listening. I was listening to one of the podcasts, I think Adam Anderson uh, the Grave Digger guy. And I'm like, he's just like me. He's just like all of us. We're just, we just geek out on this stuff. And, and it just sends you down these wonderful journeys where you meet people and, you know, you famous people and you get involved. It's just a great hobby. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And it's funny you talking about, you know, yourself and like Mike McConville and things like that. Like I said, uh, one of my things that comes to mind, one of my memories is, you know, when I started at Horizon in 2001, I, I met a lot of you guys in the office, in and around the office. And so, you know, I start thinking, oh, OK, there's Pete and there's Mike McConville. And then I happened to go and I don't remember what event it was, but I, I went to some event and, you know, you, you start talking to these people and you're standing there having a conversation and people are coming up saying, you know, you know. Mr. Goldsmith, can I have your autograph? And I just remember thinking, <laughs> this is so funny because, you know, you guys, and I think it just speaks to the humility that, you know, yourself and Mike and a lot of those, those folks have, um, where that, yeah, to a lot of the people in, in the RC community, you know, rightfully so you guys are, are definitely what they call influencers today. Right. Um, and, and kind of rock stars and, but it never, ever really, you know, shown through. And so it was cool kind of being an outsider coming in, uh, getting to know you guys and just how that never went to your heads. It was amazing to me. So it's, it's, I'm always amazed. And I remember being somewhere with Mike McConville and some, you know, probably 10 or 12 year old boy runs up and says, you know, Mr. McConville, will you sign my hat? And 
I think the rest of the weekend, I would say, Mr. McConville, will you sign my hat? So, <laughs> uh, but it, it's great. And it's, it's cool that you guys mean so much, you know, to the industry. So it's, it's very good. Um, well, one, maybe, one thing, you know, in that context is I don't want anybody, you know, to be shy and coming up and saying hello if, they, you know, they listen to this podcast and they say, hey, you know, what was that all about? Or I love this. So please just come up and say, hi, I'm just a normal guy. I really am. I'm not, you know, don't be intimidated. You know, if I've got my head inside a few slides trying to fix something, maybe be a little bit graceful. But, you know, in general, I'm, I try to be approachable. I try and, you know, just share what I know. And, and if you've got a question or you want to learn something or whatever, I mean, don't be shy to ask. Yeah, Pete, I think the, the best example of that that I have was, uh, I forget what year it was when you and I were working the try me line on the, at Joe Nall with your Corsair. And I think you were flying for a better part of four or five hours straight, letting people try. And you kept a smile and you, you kept answering questions. And, um, you know, I could tell you were fatigued <laughs> and uh, we just kept fueling that airplane. But everybody that came up, you were, you know, the same as you always were nice, you know, kind and, and helpful. So that definitely shines through in your personality. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, well, maybe jumping ahead. So obviously we're, you know, normally we sit one, we would sit down and have this interview face to face. And we know we're kind of living in a time right now where that's not possible. Um, you know, 2020 is definitely starting off interesting to say the least. Um, you know, what, what sort of trends do you see out there in the RC community now, Pete, when people get back out to the field, hopefully here soon, what are they going to be wanting to do? What are you seeing? Um, yeah, it's a good question. I, I get asked that a lot by a lot of different people. Um, yeah, times, this is a season we're going through now. I know it'll pass. Um, you know, one of the good things about being old is you have life experiences that give you peace because you can say, well, I remember when this happened and we got through it. I mean, uh, you know, we went through the swine flu. If, if you remember that, that was pretty bad too. Um, and, and things recovered. So, Everyone be positive, um, be safe, be careful. Um, uh, the trends that I see right now is is the specialization of, of uh, the RC products. So people, you know, we've had a solid 20 years of, of ready-to-flys, AFs. Um, so the, the customization of those products seems to be a new trend where people you know, kits, obviously, people are getting back into building kits. Uh, that's a micro market, but it's it's kind of a, associated with this uh, response. The um, getting it off and recovering it, weathering it, um, changing out, putting flaps on, you know, doing some aero changes. Uh, there's a lot of that going on. And, you know, maybe something Horizon could look at is, you know, having having opportunities for growth within that product. They buy a product and then that product can be updated and modified. Now, the model cars, the Surface product does that incredibly well. Um, and I see an opportunity for that to happen in the aircraft. You know, you start out with this. And it, it happens a little bit with SAFE where you can start out with SAFE technology and it's, it's a very controlled environment where you can't get in, out of control. And then you start removing some of the levels and be, and you get more and more control over the aircraft, but there's higher risk. 
you know, maybe there's some opportunities for customizing our aircraft. Um, but that's definitely a trend I'm seeing, um, you know, in just about every community there is. Uh, is RC jets, RC sailplanes, uh, scale models, um, just about everything where people are taking a uh, off-the-shelf aft um, in whatever form and customizing it to the to their own appeal. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty it's pretty prevalent in the car side for sure, and uh, I think we're starting to see more and more on even on the air side. Even like I've seen so many different trim schemes on e-flight timbers that I can even remember uh, in the past few months. It's it's been pretty cool to see how people are truly customizing stuff. And I think your point there is, is pretty true when it comes to the rest of the category. People really want to make it their own, whether it's their radio, changing the color. You know, we've recently released the different color IX series radios, uh, or even you and I helped you help me weather my uh, Stuka, yeah, which was okay, a lot yeah. of yeah. and that looked like a really cool airplane. So, you know, one of the, the, the biggest benefits of that is we have a scale, um, and we call it the emotional debt scale. So the more emotion you have in the product, the more in debt you are to it. And typically as a, as a byproduct of that, you stick around longer. So if you can increase your emotional debt into something, whatever it is, in this case, you know, the RC community, you're, you're probably going to do it for longer and it's going to be more fulfilling. So if you just buy an RF and fly it, I mean, you have X amount of, emotional debt but if you buy an RF, you take the covering off you recover it you put different graphics on it you change the motor all of a sudden that RF is your most special favorite RF because you've got some emotion into it you've got some of your personality into it and that's where i always try and encourage people to do that definitely so pete tell us a little bit about what's going on i know you've got some skunk work projects going on at pete goldsmith designs and um, I know you've been sharing one build. I know it may not end up making it into a product, but you are working on a pretty cool, quite large aircraft. But tell us a little bit about what you're working on for uh, your kit business. Yeah, um, well, just like Horizon, I don't really want to say what I'm working on that I'm planning on you know, we manufacturing. Had- <laughs> um, but I am working on stuff. And, uh, but but what, what is out there is quite public is a wonderful project. I was commissioned to do a... Uh, build for the Hawaii Pacific War Museum, and they wanted a flying replica of the Avenger, which is a torpedo bomber, uh, mid to late World War II, is in the uh, mid 40s aircraft, um, and they want it done up in the George W. Bush trim scheme. And this September, Mr. Bush is going to come and see the model, so that'll be wow. pretty cool. Yeah, um, I'm not sure if I'll be there. I hope to, because it'd be great to meet him. Um, so I'm like no pressure. This thing has to look like <laughs> like good enough for him. Um, so uh, there's a, a company or an association called Warbirds West, and, and they're just very passionate about World War II aircraft that were in Pacific. And, um, you know, they commissioned me to do this build. And, it, you know, I don't know what I was thinking because, you know, you calibrate. It's, it's a one-quarter scale replica. And, you know, a quarter-scale airplane, you sort of have this sort of size calibration. It's going to be this big. Well, I didn't do my research. Avenger in the full scale is a huge aircraft. Um, It's like nearly 60-foot wingspan. So quarter-scale, it ends up being, you know, 
you know, a bit 13 foot wingspan. So I've, it's been fantastic because I've learned um, 3D printing. Um, I've learned how to make, you know, really scale plugs. Um, just about every piece of knowledge I've had, I've used on this project. And I'm still learning. So um, if you go to my Facebook page, um, you can see all the photos of the build on there. Um, and it's coming along. It's it's getting close. Um, I'm just a, right now. I'm I'm kind of working on the wings and the tail group. The fuselage plug is completely finished, but I've got to get it to the guy that's making the molds in North Carolina. And right now, all these travel restrictions and stuff, um, I don't really want to travel. So hopefully, I'll get that to him in the next six to eight weeks, and then that we'll get the molds made and finish it off. But it's progressing very very well, um, and. I'm excited about it. You know, I, I think uh, it's a good good thing. And they've actually they just asked me to do another project today, which I won't share until it's all official. But that's, a, a, you know, equivalent stress for me, but it should be cool oh, too. Wow. Another, well, I, and they like I to know. choose projects that have, you know, incredible history behind them, you know, getting back to that historian type thing. Yeah. yeah. Well, I know those, that project. Those are amazing projects. That's really cool, Pete. Um, you'll have to, yeah, we'll have to see some pictures as it gets done. And it sounds like, uh, Steve, we're going to have to have Pete back to hear about his uh, in-development projects here uh, yeah. at some point. Absolutely. Well, I, hey, I've I, got to shift gears here for a second because I've, I've, I've been patient. Um, but, <laughs> you know, I, I got to, we got to talk cars a little bit, Pete. So I'm going to, I'm going to shift gears here a little bit on us. No pun intended, but uh, I, two things I want to ask you about. First and foremost, you know, we all know your friends with with Juan Pablo Montoya. You mentioned him a little earlier in the podcast. Um, and I saw, you know, because I, I follow you on social media and we talk, we talk from time to time, but that you went to the uh, Rolex 24-hour race. Tell us a little bit about that. That is, a, you know, again, that's a bucket list type type event to go to. Yeah, Um Funny story, Juan has wanted me to go to that for at least four, five, six years. And just it never worked out. There was uh, one year I was sick, one year I had troubles in my eye. Um, it was just uh, it was so fr- – and he, and every time I'd say I was going like, yeah, yeah, whatever. And, and, you know, but this year I got to go. And it was such a great experience. Um, and we're – you know, I, I don't want to – this to sound wrong because, you know, Juan's just a friend to me. I don't, you know, the, the fame thing is he's just a guy. Um, but it was so much fun to hang out with him and the family um, because you really are just hanging out like family. You know, the, 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 from a driver's perspective, um, you know, he gets in the car, he does the test, he comes back, you know, they start the race, he races for three or four hours, he comes straight back to the motorhome, um, I cooked him some meals and, you know, the, the um, muscular therapist is there. He's on the table. He's getting all his muscles reworked. He tried, you know, it's just incredible what they go through. And the TV doesn't do the speeds these guys are traveling at justice and the sound yeah, justice. Yeah. The, the coolest car on that track was a Mercedes 450L. It sounded so amazing. I think, what is it, a seven and a half liter V8? And oh, yeah, just, yeah. Oh, my goodness. And just all the cars are just incredible. Just talk about, you know, engineering achievements. They're just phenomenal. And the drivers, they're all great guys. You know, I've got a little bit of a leg up because I know them personally. 
but they're just like normal people that love to drive cars, you know? Yeah, I remember, you know, a couple of years ago when they at the at the uh, Indy Grand Prix, when when Juan was yeah, racing, you, and it, I you and I went over. You remember that? And it was like yep. an hour before the race and we were talking to him in the trailer and he was talking about this jet he just bought. And you I think you'd helped him build it. And yep, yep. He just kept talking about it. And I was nervous for him. I kept thinking, you know, you, you got to go race in like an hour, man. You, you should, you know, shouldn't yeah, you be you talking about something else? <laughs> but I think I've, it was his I've way of, in, yeah. I was sat in driver's meetings with him and, and he's on his phone showing me, hey, what about one of these? You know, some model airplane thing, you know. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure part of it is, you know, until he's ready to get locked in, you know, and focused on the task at hand, it's probably good to to think about, you know, other things and to have have your hobby be something you can be excited about. So it's it's very cool. Yeah, the Rolex race would be awesome to go to. I'm glad you were able to to find yeah, it, I, fit it into your schedule. That's cool. I encourage you to, you know, if you if you like motor racing, you like road course, that is definitely um, I, I'm going to try and go every year. It's a not-to-be-missed event. It's just amazing. And it's so cool because you can just cruise around the track, see all the displays, talk to all the, you know, because I'm kind of becoming a bit of a car geek. Um, and and you can meet the drivers. You can see the race. You know, there's just so much to do. Yeah. So speaking of you being a bit of a car geek, um, you got to tell us a little bit about this Cobra build you're doing. Um, what what inspired you to do that? Did you just not have enough going on or, you know, what what, decide, what made you go, hey, if I can build a quarter scale Avenger, I ought to be able to build a full scale Cobra, right? I mean, what, what inspired you here? What's going on, Pete? Well, um, years ago, um, I think I mentioned my dad used to build race car engines. Well, um, you know, there's this gentleman that, that Leo Gagan was his name, and he had a Shelby Cobra. And, you know, as a five- or six-year-old, you know, that makes a huge impression on you, this this classic, you know, iconic, they made movies about motor car. And I've wanted one, dreamed of owning one, you know, since I was 16. And, you know, my life motto is you dream, believe, create, succeed. So, you know, the dream was there pretty much until – Oh, about six months ago, and I was driving actually to the Rolex 24-hour with my friend and my good buddy out in California who's who's built model aircraft for me. He's a real car guy, um, and he's built Porsche replicas and so forth. And I said to him, man, wouldn't it be good if I got Brian to be able to build a Cobra for me? Wouldn't that be the coolest car ever? So I got talking with Brian, and he said, oh, dude, I'd love to build you a Cobra. So... By the time I got back from the Rolex 24-hour, I'd talked to Factory 5. I found out all the prices. Um, and, yeah, so I'm building a Factory 5 uh, 1965 Cobra replica car. Um, and basically the, you buy the base kit and you can get the basic kit and then they have a deluxe kit depending on how much you want done. And then you buy what's called a donor car um, and they base the Cobra on a um sort of a 2000 2014 mustang and you use the um basically the rear axles um pedal box fuel tank um trying to think of all that you know quite a bunch of stuff off this mustang uh that goes in the car and then you buy the running gear as well so engine drivetrain rear axle so forth and so on 
So for all you car guys out there, it's the engine's a uh, 2016 Ford Coyote motor, which is five liter. It's about 420 horsepower in stock form. Um, it has a 331 gears in the rear axle, independent rear axle. And uh, I'm putting a new intake manifold on it, which I'm actually designing a plenum box for right now myself. And we're going to put headers and so forth. So it should be around about 450 horsepower. And my wife is petrified that I'm going to wreck this thing because it only weighs 200, and, I mean, 2,200 pounds. So it's going to be <laughs> a bullet. Yeah, that's pretty good power to weight. Yeah, but so, it's a life dream. It literally is a life dream to have one of these for me. Very cool. That that's a great project. I mean, you've got a lot of great projects, but uh, that that's a great project too. So, um, well, you'll have to keep us posted on it. Again, like you said earlier, you know, people can check out. I know you post a lot of your project stuff on Facebook and on social media. So, I'm sure there'll be more uh, stuff there as you progress on that project too. So. It's Very been good. interesting. The, the Cobra thing's been an interesting um, process, I guess, and I love to share what I'm doing just to inspire people. And I'm getting all these, you know, messages and contacts from car guys that, that I knew as RC pilots, you know, and they've been great. You know, they've been really helpful. Hey, if you tried this, you might want to do that. You know, so we've got this other connection point, and <laughs> they feel like they can sort of talk to me at my level, if that makes sense, because... They know cars, you know. They don't ever right, want right. to tell me how to do aeroplanes, which I wish they would. I'm I'm always open <laughs> to it. But they can they're comfortable telling me about how to do cars. <laughs> well, that that and that should be a fun project for you. You and I'll have to look for you and Caroline buzzing around uh, the Champagne area. You know, maybe out of Eli. Um, well, I'll definitely take you for a ride, Chris. That's a promise. That that would be cool. I was trying to find a way not to ask, but uh, oh, since no, you I'm, offered, you know. <laughs> I'm, well, and if Pete, you can drive um, a stick shift, you might even get to drive it yourself. There you go. <laughs> Absolutely. I was in Germany a couple weeks ago and uh, purposely made sure I got a stick to make sure. But I'm a motorcycle guy, so, you know, clutch well, you, is easy for yeah, me. So. Yeah, fine. Yeah. <laughs> well, Pete, I mean, we talk a lot about, you know, the people that, that have kind of shaped your life and uh, the people that have, you've, you've spent a lot of time with. But one question I had was, you know, there, who would, who are who do you look up to in the, whether it's RC or not? I mean, what's, who's kind of your idol? Um, well, there's, I have several idols. Um, you know, personally, it would be my dad. Um, you know, just about everything I know. Um, every, everything, my character, my, the way I live my life, everything has been my dad's influence. And my dad isn't like, you know, Gandhi sits on the hill with his legs crossed in sandals. You know, he's just a guy, but he doesn't waste words. You know, he if my dad says something, you know, you remember it. He's one of those types, and he's, he's given me just such a great platform to live by. Um, poor old dad, he's got dementia right now. He's still around, but, you know, he's starting to lose his mind a little bit, but he still makes jokes, and he still tries to help me out, and He's a car guy, and he's loving watching me build this Cobra. Um, I want to say there's two people in business that had huge influence on me. One was my business partner. Um, I was a 19-year-old kid. I started a business when I was 19. And my business partner, her name was Kerry Kennedy, and she was 26. So she was quite a bit older than me. 
And she was kind of like my older sister. And she, talk about an incredible businesswoman. We used to joke that I would get the business and she would keep the money, you know, So because she was great at just the operation side of it. She was kind of like a Bill Valley cruise, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yep. you know, I was the visionary. I would go out. I was the social guide, see the clients and get the work. And But she taught me so much. So, you know, to this day, I'm always, you know, using some stuff. that She was kind of like that voice of reason, <laughs> which you need when you're 19 years old. <laughs> and then, of course, yeah. later on in life, I, I got and I still uh, respect this man incredibly, and that's Rick Stevens, who was one of the original founders the founder of Horizon, um, talk about, uh, I think you've probably got some relevance to this too, Chris, how he influenced us. And, you know, when Rick spoke, you all stopped and listened. He was just one of those guys and just has an incredible philosophy on how to run a business and make it fun. I mean, you know, Horizon is a fun place to work, and that was all because of, you know, Rick's grounding. You know, this, you know, <laughs> he used to tell me, you know, we're not holding a gun at your head, making you work here. You know, let's make it fun, you know, make it enjoyable. Yeah, I, I think, again, a lot of that original culture, you know, hopefully, you know, still still is part of Horizon. And, yeah, you know, it, it should be fun what we do. Um, and I think, you know, a lot of lessons, like I said earlier, you know, the one one of the things that Rick has always said that stuck to me was the do the right things and the results will follow. Um, you know, I just many, many lessons like that, but I certainly get and share your, your thoughts there about Rick's influence on, on an industry. And it's always funny too, because, you know, pretty admittedly, he's not a hobbyist, um, but certainly nope. built a culture, um, so that a lot of people could enjoy this pretty, pretty amazing, uh, hobby. We all, we all love. So well, good. I mean, Pete, we're, we've kept you on here for a while today. We had a little bit of technical difficulties. Um, you're being our kind of our guinea pig here on this new process. But is there anything else, you know, we'll give you the chance here to, to bring us home. Is there anything else you want to say, you know, or do a little promotion for, for uh, your your Pete Goldsmith design or just any advice or anything to, to anybody listening to the podcast here? You're open mic. <laughs> Well, you know, I you've probably seen a bit of a theme with me. Why why I do what I do? Why I get up every day? It's super important, and this is kind of like a psychology lesson for everybody to have purpose in life. You must have purpose in life. So, whatever that is, if you're listening to this podcast, it sounds like your purpose in life is being involved in the RC community. I would encourage you to do. Keep trying to better yourself within the community, whether drive a car faster, fly a plane better, build a bigger plane, make the plane cooler. Just keep growing. Keep trying to improve yourself. Um, you'll find that incredibly rewarding and, you know, you won't regret it. It's not – and I, I'm not talking about spending more money. I'm talking about optimizing what you have, learning to use it better, et cetera, et cetera. It doesn't have to just be go and buy something else. Um you know, you can go and buy something else, but try and make it an educational opportunity. Try and grow from the next purchase. That would be my advice. Very good. Yeah. And it, again, it's a great community. So I would, I'd say, you know, just go out and enjoy it. Right. It's, it's just a, you get to meet cool people like Pete Goldsmith out at flying clubs <laughs> and, and fields. So 
Um, you know, I, great advice to anybody listening to this. I, I guess I'd just say then, Pete, you know, on behalf of everybody at Horizon and definitely from Steve and myself, uh, thanks for taking time today. Thanks for uh, catching up. It's always good to catch up with you anyway, but for also sharing your RC experience and your um, passion for the hobby. I mean, this is exactly what Steve and I wanted to capture with these podcasts is just talk to the people who who really have helped make this community and are huge parts of it. So thanks for your time. Um, thanks for, you know, continuing to represent Horizon as a team pilot and growing the RC community. Yeah, my pleasure, Chris. And if you need anything else, uh, you know where I live. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm going to come over for that ride in the Cobra yep. when it's ready to go. So I'll, I'll talk Thank to you, you soon. Thank you again, Pete. All right. You guys take care. Thanks, Pete. Thanks for listening to this episode of the On the Horizon RC Podcast. This episode is over, but guys, please make sure to send us some feedback if you like this episode or if you want to hear something different in the future. We have a couple ways to get in touch with us. You can send us a message on our Facebook channel. You can post a comment on this Podbean channel or post a comment in any of your favorite podcast listening areas, and we'll be sure to check that out. Uh, Also, guys, make sure to check out our I Support My Local Hobby Shop fundraiser. You can find anything about that at the horizonhobby.com website. If you scroll down and click on the I Support My Hobby Shop graphic uh, on the homepage, you'll be jumped over to that. There you can buy your t-shirt, you can donate, uh, and you can, of course, share that information out to your favorite uh, crowd of people. So, guys, thanks for listening so much. We'll be back in two weeks. Stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll catch you next time.